All right. Well, I am excited. We're starting a new series this morning. Before we dive into that, I need your help. I want to do just a little quick word association kind of game. Some of you may be like me and grew up in church, and you remember going to Sunday school, and they had these things called flannel graphs, felt pieces of cloth that looked like Jesus and a sheep and the other generic guy who covered every other disciple, whatever he was, and they would do stories right there. So let me know, whether you grew up in church or not, I bet you many of you knew these stories for a long time or at least had heard of them, the basics. So anyone here can finish this sentence? Daniel and the... Well, how did you know that? David and... All right, very good. Maybe a little harder one. Joshua and... Battle of Jericho. Ooh, got some people there. Ha. No. no, you're good. You're good. There's, remember the round we would sing? Joshua and Jericho. Sorry, I sang songs. Some of you didn't. Hey, how about this one? Jonah and the... You know that story. And it's great. It's wonderful. I have seen all of the VeggieTales episodes multiple times. We know the songs. We know the stories inside and out. There were fish slappers and all this stuff we learned from them. And it's wonderful to take a Bible story and to maybe simplify some of the concepts and bring it down to a level that is still important and powerful, but on a place where a child can understand. But I think sometimes we can be guilty of relegating some of those classic Bible stories to the same level as we would Cinderella or Hansel and Gretel or the Tooth Fairy, is we put them as if they are a fairy tale. And it's really a shame for a couple of reasons. First of all, they are not fairy tales. They are real stories of real people where a real God showed up and did real miracles. And he still wants to do those miracles today. So they're not kids' stories in that sense. They're, they're not fairy tales, but they're really not even designed for kids. Do you understand that? If you really read these stories, they have some gruesome details. Like people sleeping with prostitutes, heads being cut off, bloody massacres and battles. And all these are in the middle of what we would be like, that's a, that's a kid's story. That doesn't sound like what you would do as a bedtime story for your kids, but that's what these stories are really about. Yes, they teach us lessons, and, and it's great that we can learn something as a child, but God wants you to go so much deeper. There is so much more in the Word of God, and if we never go to that deeper level, if we just stay on the surface, we will miss out on so much of what God wants to do in your life. And I am hoping today that you will understand as we start this series through the book of Jonah. So again, we all say Jonah and the whale, and we technically don't even know if it's a whale. Isn't that mind-blowing? The first time I heard that, I was like, it's not a whale. My whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> the Bible just says it's a fish. It doesn't even tell us what kind of fish. We assume it's a whale because it worked for Pinocchio, and we're assuming it's like, that must be the same thing. We don't know. The Bible just says there was this fish that showed up, but do you understand, we put so much emphasis on this fish, but in reality, this story has very, very little to do with this fish. There's only like a couple of verses where it's even mentioned, and it's almost in passing. But there is this person in here named Jonah 
who has his story being directed by God because I want you to understand what this story is real about. The hero of this story is not a whale. Technically, it's not even Jonah. The hero of this book of the Bible is God himself who shows up and directs the course of this prophet, this man of God named Jonah. And Jonah's journey is what we're going to be looking at today. And it definitely has some unexpected turns for him and for those around him. I don't know if you've ever been on a journey or a trip and you had one thing expected and it didn't work out the way you planned. I've shared this with several different people, but I actually, Katie and I had the privilege uh, several years ago before we planted Summit Church to actually go on a trip to Israel. That's actually the first time we met the Harrises and uh, the Metcalfs and some other people from Arizona. And it was a trip designed for pastors and how the Holy Land affects your ministry. And it was incredible. Again, obviously today we are praying for peace in that land and praying for Israel um, in that day or that, that season. Um, it, was, it was very, very safe for us to travel there. And it was, it was phenomenal. And this was like... This is like a life dream for my wife and I. And we were planning up for several months and getting everything together. And we had saved up the finances. And it was just, I was so, I cannot express how excited I was that I was about to go on this trip to the, to the Holy Land. I'm going to walk where Jesus walked. I'm going to see these stories. And it's not just going to be David and Goliath. Like, that's where they actually, it was amazing. I was so excited. So we get on the flight, um, and we have to go to New York, and from New York, you fly to Tel Aviv, and then you're, you're right there in Israel. And so we get to New York, and we're like getting ready to wait for the plane and board the plane, and they have super high security, and so you're just really trying to make sure you have everything ready. And at some point, they tell us, we are so sorry, I can't remember the reason why, but your flight is now delayed. And we can't just hop on over there wherever we want, so we're going to have to wait till tomorrow morning. So we got you a hotel, you'll stay there over the night, and then come here early in the morning, get back on your plane, and you can make it all the way to Israel. The only problem, we got on the plane, our luggage somehow did not. And so we get on this trip of a lifetime, and we get off the plane, and it's like, where's my suitcase? And it didn't show up. And then where's Katie's suitcase? It didn't show up either. Somehow in the, the transfer from that delay, our, our luggage didn't get on that flight. Again, unfortunately, it's not like they had flights arriving every half hour or so. They basically told us, like, well, another plane will come in tomorrow. And that luggage can probably only be delivered to Jerusalem, but our little tour is not going to be in Jerusalem. So you're going to have to figure out how to make do for the next several days. And thankfully, we had tried to be as prepared as we could. And I think I had like an extra shirt and a couple of random things in my backpack, my carry-on. So it wasn't totally just going the same thing every day. But you know what? After several days, it gets a little hard. And I can, can I just be honest with you. I was done with my underwear, and my underwear was done with me. I know you're like, he's done my underwear, it's gross, but I just want to be honest today. <laughs> so our guide, a few days into it, said, you know, he had pity on us, and he said, you know what we'll do? There is a local, kind of like a mall. We were, we were getting into a larger city. I can't remember what city it was. 
And he said, what we'll do is I'll take you there after the group has dinner. I'll take the two of you there. You can go there if you want to buy a couple of shirts or clothes or anything. I was like, I want underwear. I need some underwear. And he's like, sure, we can do that. It's like, thank you. Went to the store. I got to the men's section of clothing. I grabbed that package of underwear, and I was, like, praising God for it. I got back to the hotel we were staying at, opened that package, and realized Israel has a lot of European influence. And there's certain cuts of clothing that are more predominant in other places in the world. And I was so, so disappointed when I opened up that package and I looked at my wife and I said, I can't wear this and hold my man card anymore. (laughs) So I threw it away (laughs) and I hand washed once again what little I had left. Thankfully, it was only another day, I think, until our luggage finally did arrive. We were very, very grateful. But I remember even in that season, when we first found out that they had lost our luggage, we had a talk and we we made a commitment. We said, you know what? This is frustrating. It's annoying. This is our our trip of a lifetime. And this kind of happened and we weren't planning for it, but we made a decision. We said, you know what? We could have a grumpy, horrible attitude for the next several days, or we can choose to make the best of it and have a moment with God. And we did. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. And the clothes really weren't that big of a deal. And it was that moment that was that unexpected plan that took us on a different journey than what we expected. But ultimately, God used it to really speak encouragement in life. And I've shared before, it was that trip where God first introduced us to seven leadership from Arizona that ultimately led us here to Anthem to plant a church. And if we had had a bad attitude because my underwear was dirty, (laughs) then who knows where God would have taken us. And this morning, very quickly, I want to look at this man called Jonah, because Jonah has, I believe, some plans for his journey where he thinks God is going to take him and what God is going to do in his life. And he has some unexpected twists and turns. And most of the time, we're going to see him respond in a negative way and get the grumpy attitude, whatever. But yet you're going to see the mercy and the love of God to direct the course of his life. And just like God can direct Jonah, I believe God can direct your life. I believe God wants to guide, nurture, lead you to an amazing place, amazing opportunities. But how do we get there and what do we do and how come so many of us seem to struggle with this? One of the most common questions I get asked as a minister has something to do with how do I know God's will for my life? How can I hear God's plan? How do I, just what do we do? And it's like, that's kind of what I want to talk about just a little bit today. What do we do in these moments? In all reality, I don't feel like the biggest problem is hearing from God. I think God finds ways to speak to us. I think we just don't always like what he says. And that's what we're going to find in our passage today. I'm not actually going to be reading a ton out of the book of Jonah. Jonah is a very short book. It's only four chapters long. The whole, the whole book's right here on these two pages in my Bible. And this morning, I just want to look at the very first three verses of this book in Jonah chapter one. I'm going to be reading today from the ESV. I just liked some of the ways they 
uh, worded some of these passages. So Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So I felt like this morning, I do need to give you just a little bit of background. So bear with me. I I think you need to know who we're talking about and what this book is about as well. Jonah is considered a minor prophet, not because he is less important, but simply because his book is shorter. Major ones are longer, minor ones are shorter. And in this short, short book, we have an incredible, powerful story and testimony. So what's different about this is because most of the minor prophets, you have God giving a message through the prophet to someone else. Maybe the nation of Israel, maybe a foreign nation. And most of the book is just giving that prophecy. The word of the Lord is that this nation is facing this and they need to repent. They need to change. And you're doing this and whatever else God is saying, it's mainly that prophecy. But in Jonah, it's one of the few God, uh, one of the few minor prophets at all where the, the book is a narrative. It's a story. It's not just about the prophecy, but it's about the prophet himself and the message that was given, not just to another nation. Really, the point is not even what he had to say to Nineveh. The point of this book is the message to Jonah. Even that, that description there, the word of the Lord, it can be translated the instruction of the Lord to Jonah. He had a message for Nineveh, but really he had a message for himself. How many of you know it's way easier to give a message to somebody else? Some of you have done that. You'll be in a sermon. You'll be poking your spouse like he's talking to you. (laughs) How can we always feel convicted for other people? (laughs) But God is trying to speak to us today. Maybe you're in a similar situation of Jonah because one of the other things that's so unique about Jonah is he's one of the few prophets you read about if not the only one who receives a message from God and instead of giving it, tries to run in the other direction. Do you understand? He's not going anywhere towards Nineveh. He's turning and running and says, I just want to be as far away from here as I can be. And I wonder if you have been in a similar situation where maybe you're not physically running, but maybe spiritually or maybe emotionally, you are checked out of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe you're at that job and you're just going through the motions or you're in that relationship or whatever it may be and you feel just dead on the inside. And God is saying maybe it's time to engage again in his plan and his purpose and his direction for your life. Jonah receives a direct message from God. There can be no clear explanation other than Thus saith the word of the Lord, God gave him a message, arise and go to Nineveh. But instead he does the complete opposite. So why, why does Jonah wrestle with God's direction here? Why do we do the same thing? 
He may not tell you to go to Nineveh, but I guarantee you God has told so many of you specific things he wants you to do and to let go of and to hold, take hold of. There are things and directions God's trying to give you to direct your life, but we struggle with it. And do you know why? I think like Jonah, we struggle because we realize the journey is really, really going to be difficult. Again, it seems so small, arise and go to Nineveh. It's a simple command, and really it just means more than even arise, like get up. It's like, do it now. Go, get out of here and do this. But he struggles with it, and there's probably several reasons. Some of it's practical. Again, I think of Nineveh as it must not have been that far because it's just one little chapter away. I always had in my mind as a kid that Nineveh was really close to the ocean. It is not. It's like over 500 miles away from the nearest ocean. And that's about 500 miles as well, 550 or so from where Jonah is at. So this trip would have taken him at least a month to get from where he's at to all the way to Nineveh. And his response to God is, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Have you ever looked at God and just said that? Thank you, Lord, for this word. I don't really want it, though. I had it. I've had it several times where I felt like God was speaking to my heart. I had it not too long ago. I was sharing with our community group. Um, several months ago, I was praying about something, and there was somebody outside the church. So don't look around or try to figure it out. It was not inside the church. And they just did something that frustrated me so much. I know I'm supposed to love them, but I didn't want to. And they kind of accused me of doing something. I was like, what, what are you talking about? This is crazy. And I was mad. And I was like, just praying about it. And I read my Bible. You know what verse I came across that day? I was so frustrated. I was in Matthew chapter five. And the Bible says that Jesus tells, this is Jesus's words. You can't even get around it any other way. Jesus said, love your enemies, Jeremy, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And I looked at God as much as I could and I said, God, I don't like this word. I don't want to do this. Have you ever had those people in your life where God is calling you to love and minister to? And let's be, okay, again, we're being totally honest here right now. Have you ever been those, met those people that you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want you to go to heaven because if you're in heaven, it may not feel like it would be heaven anymore. Come on, surely somebody else can confess. Thank you. I'm just being honest. I prayed about it. I had to repent. But there are those moments where you're like, I don't know, God, if I really want to do this. And that's exactly where Jonah is at, because not only is Nineveh a far distance away, Nineveh is the enemy of Israel. This is the the headquarters, the seat of the Assyrian Empire, the ones who came in and demolished most of the northern kingdom, exiled a bunch of people to Babylon, all of that. that. This is their remnant. This is who they are. Some of Jonah's own family may have been killed by them. We don't know for sure, but it's very, very possible. Do you understand? It would be like today, somebody from Israel being called by God to go minister to Hamas. They're probably like, I don't really want to, God. They're my enemy. I don't like them. Not only that, God, do you understand what Nineveh is? It is a a corrupt, 
horrible city known for its crime, known for its brutality, that if you did something to anger them, they would put you on a stake and desecrate your body and just to warn everybody else, we don't tolerate people who don't listen to us. And you want me to go there and tell them, you need to repent, God's gonna kill you all, please, you know. He very well could have been killed himself ministering to a bunch of people he didn't even like and really didn't even want to get saved. And God is calling us many times to do something that may not even be as difficult as that. But we get in those moments and we say, God, I don't even know if I want to do that. I don't even know if I can. Because Nineveh, Nineveh is a hopeless situation. God, do you really think that they could repent and serve Yahweh? This is, this is absurd. There's no chance. There's no way that they'll ever listen to anything I have to say. Why am I going to waste my time traveling for a month just to get there, just to, to have my life maybe be put on the line because they don't care what I have to say? It feels hopeless. And some of you have been in situations that feel dark and hopeless. And you sat there when God said, I want you to, to bring hope into that situation. And some of you have wrestled with that and didn't know if you were willing to obey because you thought maybe it's a waste of your time. God, that person will never become a Christian. Why are we even trying? God, I'll never get out of debt. God, this relationship is hopeless. It's done. God, I'll never break this addiction. God, I'll never get married. I'll never do this or this will never happen. It feels absolutely hopeless. But God is still calling you to get up and go. And do you understand? It is not even the message of God that he speaks to you that ultimately sets the course for your life. I know this sounds off, but just listen to me. It's not just the message that God gives to you. It is your response to the direction of God that ultimately will set the course for your life. He can tell all kinds of people things to do and things not to do. If you don't listen, well, I guess it is hopeless. But if you are willing to make a stand and a decision to follow him, he can do amazing things miracles. So what's keeping you from obeying God's voice and direction in your life? Some of you, it's fear because God asks you to do something that's bigger than you and it terrifies you. Some of you are, are wrestling with doubt because God hasn't done things the way you expected. Some of you just feel insecure. Some of you are maybe are just battling sin itself and you're wrestling with whether or not you just want to give up on God. Whatever it is, I truly believe that God is trying to speak to you this morning and your response determines the direction for your life. And you have to choose how you're going to respond. Do you understand that? It's when you say no. Before he even left to go to Tarshish, there had to be a moment where Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. And he could have just stayed there, but that would have still been disobedience to God. 
If you're not obeying God, you are disobeying him. And it's those disobedient moments that build up and separate you from God. And how many times are we sitting there saying, why is God not speaking to me, not directing me? And my question is, are you already ignoring something he's already given to you? Why would he give you more if you won't even do what he's already asked you to do? So we'll dive into it more over the next several weeks. But I I want you to notice something if you read through this short book of the Bible. God speaks to Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. He still works in Jonah's life, but he does not speak to him again until Jonah chapter 3. That's the point where Jonah said, God, I should have listened to you the first time. I'm sorry. I'm willing to obey now. And the message God gives to him is not a new one. Almost verbatim, if you read chapter 3, verse 1, it's the same message. Get up, go to Nineveh. Then I will have more to say into your life. If you're not willing to take the moment to obey his written word, his direction he's already given you, the things he is trying to lead you to do, why do you think he has something new to give to you? So if God tells you in his word, we need to forgive others, then why do we wrestle when we're not willing to do that and say, God, you don't speak to me anymore? When he tells us to be a witness and we won't even take the time to invite our neighbor to church, he's like, I, I already told you what to do. Why are you looking for, to, to me for some amazing direction? If we won't follow his directions, why would we expect him to bless the current path we're on? The journey... Yes, may be difficult, but it's supposed to be a God-led journey. I I think that's a struggle for a lot of us, but not only that, I think he just flat out struggled with the fact that the journey was going in a different direction than he wanted to go. So I won't read all of it, but actually there's another reference in the Old Testament to Jonah. One other verse in 2 Kings 14, it just briefly mentions Jonah and shares that he prophesied to the nation of Israel, that God would expand their borders. And God did. And it was awesome and amazing. And I'm pretty confident that he really enjoyed giving that prophecy. How many of us love that? God, speak to me, expand my territory, bless me in a double portion, all that. We love that, and that's great. All of a sudden, though, God's like, okay, now I want you to go to Nineveh. I don't want that one, God. I like my old prophecy. Do you know what sometimes hinders God's working in your life? It's the old thing that God did in your life. Well, God, I liked it when you did it this way. It was a lot more comfortable. But now you're trying to do it differently. Now you want me to go over here, and I don't know that I want to do it. Isn't it amazing how what the new thing that God wants to do can be hindered by the old thing that God's already done? He already did something in Jonah's life. It was amazing. It was miraculous. And I wonder if maybe he got comfortable in that. I like to be in Israel, God. I like prophesying to my nation. I am comfortable here. When I get comfortable, I don't like to be moved. Trust me. Sunday afternoons, I hit that couch. And when my kids ask me to do something, I moan. No, he's going to be like, (laughs) I don't want to move. I don't want to get up because it's comfortable. But if I stay there, obviously, I'm not going to be able to accomplish anything. And how many times do we do the same thing to God? God, I am comfortable here. 
well, yeah, that's great, but I want you to get up and go because I have a plan for your life. And I don't know if you've been like me, but I was like, well, God, just can't you let somebody else do this? You know? Why do I have to be the one to go talk to that person about Jesus? And I bet you Jonah may have even thought the same thing. Do you realize, again, we don't recognize the, the, the history here that several of these prophets lived and worked and ministered at the same time, but contemporaries of Jonah are Amos and Hosea, two other prophets ministering in Israel, prophesying the word of the Lord. And you know what? God didn't ask either of them to go to Nineveh. And I'm sure Jonah is probably sitting there. He's like, well, send Amos. Famous Amos will be great. <laughs> he brings us cookies. People love it. Come to know the Lord, you know. Why can't you just send him? And God has said, that's not my plan for his life. And it's certainly not my plan for your life. I want to use you. But God, I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel led to join that ministry. I don't feel led to reach out to that person. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter. Do you understand? Nowhere in the scripture do we ever read that Jonah suddenly had a heart that melted for the people of Nineveh. Never once. It sounds bad, but never once do we read that he even had compassion on them and loved them. He simply had to go whether he felt like it or not. Sometimes the feelings follow, but not, not always. But too many of us are living our lives dictated by our feelings. I feel like doing this, so it must be God's will. Not necessarily. You feel like smacking people sometimes. That's not necessarily God's will. You know what I'm saying? It's following God's plan and being committed to that in spite of what I feel, in spite of the fact other people don't have to go this direction. Even if I'm all alone, even if it's not what I originally planned, even if I don't feel like doing it. I am committed to following God's call on my life because there's something you need to recognize about God's direction for your life. It is not a burden. It is not, it's not something you dread or you're forced to do. God's plan for your life is an amazing honor and it is a privilege we take it for granted, but do you understand the very first verse there in Jonah chapter one says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God himself came down and says, I have a message for you. That is a huge deal that the God of the universe would waste his time in the grand scheme of things to talk to you to spend time with you. The God of the universe who does not need you who has to deal with our struggles, our temper tantrums, and our, our throwing our fist in his face and saying, I don't even want to do what you want me to do. Still loves you and desires relationship with you and desires to partner with you. You know what? We look at those moments so many times and just say, God, just, just go away. When God speaks to us to do something, we view it as an inconvenience we view it as an interruption to our plans. And that's where we need to start changing our perspective. So how many of you ever done this where you're, you're sitting down for dinner and I don't know about you, but by the time I get to dinner, I just want to relax. 
I want to enjoy my meal. I know it's going to taste so good. I'm really hungry by then. My kids are apparently starving. They act like they haven't eaten all day. And we're just going to sit around the table and just enjoy dinner. Have you ever been there? You're right. Like you just said amen over blessing the food or whatever else you're doing. And then the phone rings. And you just debate, am I going to answer this? And then you get up and you walk over there. I guess remember we had landlines. I did this more. Now I just look at my phone and pull it out. And I see that number, and I'm like, spam risk. <laughs> I hate spam risk. That telemarketer or whoever else. And I'm like, ugh, don't interrupt my schedule and my plans. Don't waste my time. Or have you ever had it where the same thing happens and somebody knocks on your door? And you're like, I don't want to buy solar. Go away. <laughs> no one's home. <laughs> and you're just like, I don't want to be interrupted. Now, imagine if the same thing happened, though, and the person knocking on your door was like one of those, remember those sweepstakes they used to have with like the giant check and they come to your door and you look at the little people and it's like, they got a giant check. <laughs> I think it's for us. And they just said, we want a million dollars. Do you really look at them and say, you're interrupting dinner? <laughs> Go away. Your perspective on that interruption is really determined by whether or not what you're doing is more important than the thing that's coming up to change it. And there's many times I look at my plans as if they are so much more important than God. And yet I have the God of the universe coming up and saying, I have something so amazing to share with you. And if I could see it for what it truly is, it would no longer be an interruption, but a, a divine intervention. How amazing is it that God himself wants to speak to me? That God wants to use me and partner with me to do an amazing miracle? That's what he did for Jonah. We downplay what happened, but do you realize, not to spoil the end of the story for those who don't know it, but he ends up going to Nineveh. And this hopeless city, this wicked, evil, great city, collectively repents, and, re and there is this amazing, one of the greatest revivals of history breaks out in one of the worst, darkest, most hopeless places in all of history. And none of it would have happened if one man hadn't ultimately been obedient to God's direction and call on his life. Even though he struggled at first, eventually he obeyed. And do you know that almost every miracle in the Bible starts with an act of obedience? So if there's that, that one boy who wasn't willing to give up his lunch, there's no feeding of the 5,000 in the Bible. Somebody had to be obedient before the miracle happened. If Peter isn't willing to get out of the boat and step on the water before he knew how it was all going to work out, if he wasn't willing to come when Jesus said come, he would have never experienced the miracle of walking on water. If Moses doesn't stretch out his staff, the Red Sea doesn't part. If Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh, no revival breaks out. And Nineveh dies in its sin. How many people, can you imagine, will be in heaven one day? Because God used a guy named Jonah who didn't even want to go. Didn't feel like it but ultimately obeyed the direction and the course God set for his life, and it changed everything. The question, again, is not whether or not God will speak to your life. It's how will you respond? How will you respond when God 
wants to do a miracle in your life. Because maybe he does want to help you get out of debt, but maybe he says you need to start by tithing. You need to take that act of obedience. Maybe he wants to heal that brokenness in your family, but he's saying you need to be making church a priority and show up. Give that act of obedience first. Maybe, maybe that next miracle is hinging on whether or not you will follow God's plan for your life. Worship team, if you'd make your way back up. You know, we had, um, Kay and I had a conversation many, many years ago, early on when the church was probably about a year old, and the journey of church planting was just particularly hard in that season. We've had other ones, but I remember Katie sharing with me and later shared with the church how the enemy had tried to convince her that ministry was the enemy, that the, the mission that God had given us was hurting us too much, was wearing us out too much to the point where it's like, it is just too difficult. It is hopeless. God, why on earth would you ask us to do something that would just destroy us? And yet, out of that season, Katie actually got to go to a women's retreat, and they had several women gathered around her, prayed over her. And one lady in particular just felt like God had a message for Katie from the Holy Spirit. And he spoke through her, through the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things she simply said is, Katie, ministry is not the enemy. You're trying to fight against God. He wants to fight for you if you'll let him. And God brought some amazing healing out of that. He brought some amazing breakthrough. And he brought some amazing miracles. And some of you have seen the difficulty <laughs> You've seen the change that God has tried to bring about in your life and you fought against it and you've made his plan the enemy instead of the miracle he is desiring it to be. That's what Jonah did. And we're going to see how God, again, ultimately works in his life. But I just want to give you a chance this morning to respond. I'm telling you, God's word always demands a response. You, you don't ride the fence. It's obey or disobey. Are you going to go where God is leading you? Are you going to fully surrender? Surrender? Are you going to settle into his plan? Are you going to engage in what he is asking of you? Because only you can answer that question. If you would this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here And you would just be honest enough to say, you know, I've allowed sin in my life to separate me from the plan of God. Maybe, maybe you're distant from him right now. And he is trying to speak to you and you've been pushing him away. And he says, if you'll obey me this morning, if you'll come when I say come, I can do a healing in you that you've been striving for for so long. That hopeless situation, I can bring hope into that. But you will never be able to do it on your own. Maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online 
and you would just be honest enough to say, you know what, my relationship with God is not what it should be, or I don't have a relationship with him, but today I want to choose to respond to his love. I want to make things right this morning with him today. You just be honest enough to say, look, there's sin in my life, but I want to make things right today. Would you just slip up your hand so I can just pray for you and believe God for those miracles? Thank you. This is your chance. He is waiting on you, reaching out his arms for you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray with you specifically for those who raise their hands, but for all of us here this morning, we need to respond to him. And so I want to lead us all in a prayer. Again, we often say it's, it's not magical words. It's just having a conversation with a God who wants to have a relationship with you. Being honest enough to confess and being hungry enough and committed enough to follow and be obedient to him. And I believe God wants to speak to people this morning. So if you would, all over this room, would you repeat this prayer after me? Let's say it out loud. Let's mean it. Let's let God do a miracle. And let's let everyone hear what God wants to do in us. Let's declare it together. So would you repeat after me? Father God, thank you for all you have done for me. Thank you for loving me even when I've wandered away from you. I confess all of my sins. I've disobeyed you in so many ways. I need you to forgive me. I need you to make me whole. And I commit this day to follow your plan and your purpose for my life. Be the Lord of my life and be my Savior. In your name we pray, amen.